It's not enough to simply be the best product anymore. You have to show people why it matters to them. That's why positioning and messaging is everything. It's how you connect to what customers really care about, make your product's value clear, and stand out from the rest. Easy, right? No, it's not. But you can learn from folks who have faced and conquered these challenges before. So join me, Emma Stratton, as I talk to top product marketing leaders about the wild and wonderful world of messaging, the thrills, the spills, the hard-won truths, and the total myths, the adventures in messaging. Today, I'm joined by Derek Fromm, Head of Marketing at Alster. Hello, Derek. Hello, Emma. It's great to be talking with you. It is awesome to be talking with you. And congratulations on your recent um, going public with Alster. It's very, very cool. Thank you. Yes, quite a, quite a process, uh, but very <laughs> and very happy to be on the other, other side of it, but uh, learned a lot through that for sure. Yeah, that is awesome. So we'll talk a bit more about that in a few minutes. Um, so one of the things I love about product marketers is just all the different stories about how people got into product marketing and the kind of backgrounds they came from. There's, there's no one background I found. Yeah. And uh, I love that, Derek, you were a political sciences major. And yeah. um, <laughs> which, you know, first of all, I did think political science was about how to be a politician, but apparently it's not. Um, but, <laughs> you know, this background actually kind of gives you a really unique view on product marketing. So tell me, tell us a bit about how PolySci plays into product marketing. Sure. Yeah. So I started my career, I, yeah, political science undergrad, started my career in politics, doing communications for congressional candidates uh, a couple times, <laughs> Mayor, Mayor Phoenix race at one point, uh, and kind of disillusioned with politics, came into uh, a great company called Medallia, which was only about 100 people at the time. They just raised a Series A. Uh, they'd been bootstrapped for like 10 years. Uh, Sequoia backed them. They were trying to do a bunch of growth. I, you know, <laughs> lucked into a job with them, I think, and uh, was was really lucky to join an amazing company. And so spent uh, three years there, two years in their client services group, helped start the London office, uh, came back and joined the product marketing team because I sort of had this like unholy mix of I knew the product really, really well. And also I could write and communicate from the, you know, all the communications I did from um, politics and then also the political science background. And the thing that kind of started to serve me that I didn't really realize at the time probably was, was actually helpful was, you know, pol political science teaches you to think about structures and institutions and incentives. And I think that's quite valuable when you're doing uh, product marketing work because you, you can sort of dive into the nitty gritty details and you can pull back and, and sort of look at the whole market uh, or look at a, a situation kind of at a meta level. So Anyway, that's that's how I got started in product marketing. It's so interesting. So talking about um, zooming out, looking at structures, how things fit. Um, yeah. So it's like we talked about um, category creation, right? Yeah. And how you know you're able to sort of see where you know how a product might fit in the in the bigger landscape and be really strategic about it with this kind of you know political background. Um, how does that sort of how does that work? You talk a bit about category creation. For sure. Yeah. And, and 
I was kind of lucky to join Medallia's product marketing group at a time when we were trying to really create our first big positioning of the company and, and kind of the, the product. And so I happened into this project around, you know, how do we, what is our category um, and what we came up with? And I, it's not just me by any means, there are lots of folks involved, but, you know, we, we sort of, the, the, the broader industry was customer experience management. Um, how do you, how do you get people to have a better experience dealing with your company? I think we've all probably dealt with companies that are terrible to deal with and others that are really, really pleasant, right? Yes. And what Medallia does is kind of help really big companies, you know, Fortune 1000 companies do that in a systematic and structured way. And the category that we came up with for that was operational customer experience management. Like it's one thing to do a research study about, you know, how your company is seen and it, you know, it goes stale. You, you do a big study, it takes six months and then it's like stale the, the day after it lands on right. someone's desk is this 300 page report, right? Uh, this is very, what we, we realized, like the key was that we put that information in the, on, on an ongoing basis, put that information in the hands of the frontline workers who are actually empowered and enabled to change the customer experience on a day-to-day basis. And so that, that kind of categorization of, you know, we do, what, what do we do? We do customer experience management. How do we do it better? We make it operational. Mm. Um, and that's kind of a, a concept, I guess, that I've been able to take to a, a number of companies now um, and really kind of, what do we do? What do we, how do we do it better? And, and what is, how do we, how do we want to frame the conversation around our company with investors, with analysts, with uh, potential customers. And that, so that's what that, the, the framing of your company is your categories category. Uh, so defining your own category, you know, creating a category of one and then being the very best in that category. And then you can sell the category, not just the company. Um, that is it's very powerful. It, it is the dream. It's accessible to anybody though. Like you, all you have to do is kind of, you have to deeply understand the product. You have to deeply understand the market. Uh, and then you have to be a little bit creative. Like at Ouster, you know, it took a year uh, to for for us to create the categorization that has really defined the company. And I mean, it was it was me and one other person sitting in a room with a whiteboard. Come there, like I, I actually, it's funny. I'm we're doing some kind of value messaging framework right now. And in this folder to my left, I actually have the notes from that day. Uh, I ripped them out of a notebook because like I'm going to want these someday. Uh, we were just what do we, how is it different? How is what we do different? Uh, and how should we build this category in a way that's kind of defines everything that we do? And the thing that we came up with, with was digital LIDAR. Everyone, there are 80 LIDAR companies. What does Ouster do differently? We have a, a digital product, it's based on chips. And then you can get into the whole cascade of, kind of what, what are the implications of that? Uh, what does it mean for a customer? How should a, an investor value you differently based on uh, the fact that you're you know, based on a, a CMOS semiconductor process, which is repeatable and scalable versus an analog competitor. Like we, 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 we talk about MP3s versus you know, uh, audio tapes. Like that, that is the, how wide the difference is uh, even if the performance of the products today is very similar, uh, kind of what underlies these products is very different. So that's where the categorization provides this frame to help someone understand something that they're never going to understand truly at a technical level, right? Yeah. 
Incredible. And so how did it feel when you saw your hard work, that sentence, that category <laughs> up on the banner on the side of the New York Stock Exchange? I mean, come on, how many yeah. marketers get that kind of payoff? I, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I, <laughs> I, I, I did, I, I, I traveled to New York uh, for that with our, with our CEO and CTO, CFO, uh, head of product marketing and that was pretty cool. I have to say it was, you know, you, you I, I don't know, we've, we had prior to that digital LIDAR message really kind of landing, we tried a couple things. Uh, and that's why we were in the room that day, because they weren't working, they weren't quite, they were just, <laughs> they didn't feel right to us. And so we didn't make use of them externally all that much. You know, we tried them out in customer conversations, we tried them out with a certain analysts, see if they bite. Uh, and that's, by the way, how you can sort of A-B test those things is get on the phone with the gardeners and foresters and kind of float those things out there over time and see see what lands. Um, and, you know, once you hit the right thing, it's, it's very clear. Um, I mean, so what kind of feedback do you get from analysts, you know, when you're kind of floating things? Do they just come out and just say, that sucks? Or are they like, oh, it's, you know, <laughs> you know, interesting. No. Like, <laughs> how does it well, work? Yeah, yeah, I guess it kind of goes, if it, if it's not working, it goes one of two ways where you, where you get like, you think this frame is going to simplify things and instead you get like a thousand questions about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that didn't land. That's, that's not doing what I hoped it would do. It's, it's creating further confusion. Okay, that's, you know, go, go back to the drawing board. Uh, the way you know it works though is if they start repeating it. Yeah. Um, if it lands in a report, if it's something that you hear them saying, you know, same thing with customers, you know, you, you, you can put this in your first call deck uh, and, you know, you, you obviously have to put some meat on the bones in order to do that. But, you know, if, if customers start re reading it back to you, that's a really strong indication that you're going somewhere. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you think about all the bad category names out there that just aren't working? Like there's such a prolifer, yes, being like a category of one is everyone wants it and mm -hmm. everyone wants it, but it's, it's not possible, right? I mean, every new company cannot be in a category of one. And what I see is it gets a bit silly sometimes. Totally. And, and you're like, what even is this? And yep. you're trying to understand what this is. So what are your yeah. thoughts about that whole situation? Just category insanity, category chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I have, I will say I have intentionally stayed out of markets uh, in some ways. Like I, I will not mark my words work at a marketing tech firm. Like there's just, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't probably do your thing there. You know, people, people, and there are certain, I, I'm more drawn to sort of emerging growth industries anyway, but, um, you know, in, in that, yeah, I, I see why that happens. Here's the thing. I think in order for a, a frame a category to be worth investing in creating, because there's a lot of work that goes into, like, you have to put a lot of meat on the bones. You have to repeat this ad nauseum until people start to really... <laughs> grasp it once you get those sort of early indicators that it's working. So there's a lot of, you, you know, it's a big investment. Um, it has to be useful. It has to be useful. Like I, digital LIDAR is useful because it helps people understand what Ouster does. Operational customer experience management is useful uh, because it helps people, it helps people understand what was so different about Medallia versus like a company, you know, there, there were a dozen companies, much, much larger big research firms, you know, thousands of employees, and we're, we're upselling against these people and winning. And it's like, why is this happening? What, what's going on? 
you know, why do I need to pay attention to this company? And you give like, it's that first thing they understand about you is, oh, it's, you make it operational. Uh, so it, it, anyway, I, I think any category is worthwhile as long as it's uh, meaningful and useful. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about messaging overall, to be honest. Yes, you're right. It's, I think this messaging, positioning, categories, it is there to help people understand. It is there for, for comprehension. I believe that. I believe it's, it's about making things accessible. And these are all different devices and strategies um, yep. about it. But, I you know, I, so I'm, you know, I imagine you have had a long career kind of selling to really technical buyers, um, just from what you're talking about. And I know it's a real art form. Um, it's not like you're marketing to other marketers, right? And you get to have right. fun. Um, you're, you know, the, <laughs> these yeah, are, what I do is no fun at all. It's, <laughs> You're the unfun, you're all about unfun marketing, right? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, totally. No fun at all. It's super boring. Everyone should <laughs> not, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it's, well, so you're right. I mean, the last three companies that I've been to, I actually went through it. I did a dramatic shift. Medallia, my first company, you know, we used to sell to sort of the, the head of insights. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we started very much going toward the head of operations, the CEO, um, COO, that type of thing, uh, sometimes head of marketing even. Um, but then I did a really abrupt transition um, and and started worked at a company called PubNub, um, which is you know since since grown I think quite a lot. Uh, still private. They uh, and they kind of make a, a messaging service that developers can use. You know, they they essentially sell an API. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twilio, same thing. Uh, right. When I when I joined them, you know. At the very least, in every sales conversation you're going to have with those companies, um, there's a there's a developer, an engineer in the room who has a who is a key stakeholder, uh, and really in, in many ways, it, it, having veto power may be too strong to say, um, but it is very much not a top down sale. Um, whereas right. a CEO can implement choose to implement something like Medallia. And that is, you know, they've made that decision. It's going to right. happen. Right? <laughs> it's <laughs> like, and you almost need them to make that decision. You know, when you're, when you're choosing which communications API you're going to use, um, you know, it, it, initially that uh, oftentimes that sales cycle would originate uh, because some developer somewhere had a need for it. Mm-hmm. We, we, when we kind of went through a big transition of starting to sell enterprise accounts at Twilio, we went through this realization that, oh my God, we have like the entire Fortune 500 already using our product. <laughs> like someone somewhere did right. a small thing. They're like, great, we have an in. Um, so I guess in that sense, like th- there's a difference in, in sort of bottom-up marketing yep. and top-down, right? And, you know, you, you really do have to in your marketing appeal to those end users. And, uh, I, you know, we always used to say at Twilio, like, developers have the strongest BS detectors of anybody in the organization because they have, they're so time constrained. They evaluate things, make a decision very typically very quickly and they kind of move on because they're trying to actually solve a problem. Right. Uh, And so that that puts a really high burden on, on kind of the the messaging uh, and positioning that you bring as a product marketer. And we could talk about how, how you, develop that kind of super precise messaging. But 
um, it, it really made me hone, hone my messaging skills for sure. Right. I mean, so you're talking about an audience who, you know, does not want to hear the fluff, doesn't yeah. have enough time. Just give me the information I need. I mean, so how does that, how do you approach messaging when, when that is, you know, when you know, that's what you're dealing with? Yeah. You know, you, you sort of have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you do have to give them what they need. And I yeah. think that's, um, you know, if, if, if the data point that they're looking for is buried 10 clicks deep, good luck. Yeah. You know, that, that is, you, you really do need to, and this, I mean, we, uh, Ouster to this day has a, a limited set of product specs on our homepage. Like we yeah. give the people what they're looking for. Give them what they want. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, you know, you, the, the chewing gum part is you, you also have to, you know, build in the precursors to that more strategic sale that's going to happen down the line once they've, you know, I mean, it, at Ouster, it's very common. It has been common in the past for, you know, a developer to, or an engineer to look at our website, sign up, do a talk to sales forum and buy a, a you know, sensor that's many thousands of dollars, uh, you know, two weeks later is a significant purchase decision, Right. but they saw what they liked. They decided they needed to test it out. That's it. Right. Right. But we can't, uh, we obviously can't stop the sale there. There's a, there's a much bigger thing that's going on in their organization that we need to be a part of. We need to figure out who the economic buyer is. We need to, you know, all of this other stuff, but we don't get the opportunity to do that. If, our messaging toward that end user is off base or tries to be too high level too quickly, too strategic too quickly, right? Right. So there really is a balance between those two things. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because a lot of times, you know, you're always kind of told to, you know, high level business value, like speak to the high level, that business outcomes and all that. And you're taking a different approach. So when you talk about like talking about giving people what they need and making sure it resonates, how do you find that out? Like, you know, research, for example. I mean, how do you understand mm-hmm. exactly what these impatient people want to know? You know, is this a research thing that you do? You know, tell me about that. For sure. I, I think when, particularly when you're in uh, emerging markets um, or, or, you know, rapid growth industries, like my controversial opinion, I guess, is <laughs> research is, is overrated. Um, <laughs> beca- and the reason is that it just, does not replicate the experience of going out and sitting on 25 sales calls right? across your customer base. You yep. will learn so much more going out to dinner with a customer. Uh, I mean, post COVID, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these days we just have to do a zoom call, but uh, you will learn so much more. Um, and I've always guided every product marketer that I've ever worked with or who's, who's worked on my team. You know, when you build a persona, do not put, if, if you put clip art or if you put like stock photography, I, I'm not going to, there's, we're not going any further. I want you to have a, a one, I want you to know the name of the person you're building this messaging for. Right. Like an actual right. person. It, what's the, it's, it's a persona. Like You should find the person who you think personifies that buying, you know, that influencer champion, uh, wh- whatever it is in that, in that, industry and that vertical, you know, however you're defining your, your markets and your, your uh, targets, you need to know that person. You need to be able to text that person and say, Hey, you know, I'm sending you a screenshot of this webpage I'm working on. What do you think? 
Like that <laughs> level of knowing your customers is irreplaceable by research. Um, yeah. You know, research probably has a time and place, but I, I just think it's, it, it does, it cannot replicate, especially in the early days. Uh, and, and even later, I mean, you know, Twilio was a public company. We didn't commission this kind of, re- we didn't commission research on messaging. We either AB tested it or we walked it by an individual customer. After the fact. So you create it and then walk it by a customer. Yeah. I mean, this goes, I mean, we can talk about tool set, but like, you know, tools like Envision, Figma, you know, um, I mean, hell, I would even, uh, I would just get into the source code of a web page and just like, you know, it's very easy to just like mock up a new version. Sure. Right. And, and screenshot it and send it off. Yeah. Yeah. Like any, any of that kind of stuff is, is super valuable. And, and I think it should be in product marketers skill set to use that. Yeah. I love that. So in terms of research, you're kind of being on these sales calls and just really understanding the actual real person who yeah. th- represents these buyers. And then, you know, using that, you know, coming up with new messaging and then running it by customers is kind of the way to go. And that's, that's certainly been my experience. Um, I mean, I think when, when you talk about a North star for messaging, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we are inundated with messages these days (laughs) and, and, and this is like a truism, right? Everyone knows this is not groundbreaking. And I think that, that, um, people misinterpret that and think they need to be flashy or they need to be attention grabbing. (laughs) What you need to be is authentic and resonant. Like you need to have messaging that truly resonates with people because people are also dying for information. Uh, There's so much messaging and so little information. So if you can communicate in a way that is authentic, like, and it has to feel real, by the way, your marketing messages go so far beyond that first page view. Like people keep that stuff with them as they continue down your funnel. And if, if what you told them on your, the homepage or the product page does not resonate, uh, it seems out of sync with what your sales team is going to sell, sell them later. That's a huge mistake. Uh, and so, you know, and it, categories help to unify these things. I, I come back to category creation, but, uh, you know, that to me is, has to be the North star. And then, you know, on a tactical level, you talk about, okay, it needs to be clear and concise, like, uh, clear, concise, and compelling are the three kind of things that I put in every product, product marketer's head, clear, concise, compelling. If, if you hit all three of those while being authentic and operating within the frame, the sort of frame of the company, your chances of success are pretty high. It's like no biggie. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't need to be this big thing. Uh, it yeah. needs to be good. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, exactly. I am right there with you, I, 100% with everything you just said. I The three C's is like how I like to call them, you know, like the, yeah. it's, it's, it's everything, but it's, it's hard. You know, I think some sometimes the the simplest, the clearest writing is the hardest oh, to do. Oh, it's hundred percent the clearest. Yeah, the so hardest. I think it's 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 totally a, a tough thing to do, but it's it's worth fighting for. So totally um, with you, one hundred percent. And I love your pragmatic approach to you know marketing, <laughs> messaging, and and category design. I can see how you are really great in the space that you play with, like these emerging markets and bringing new technologies in, into the world. I can definitely see why you're awesome at that. Um, so thank you for sharing uh, your stories. And again, congratulations on that massive achievement and seeing your category 
on the side of the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> Definitely awesome. So well Thanks. done for that. <laughs> uh, well, well done to the Astor team that made that happen. It was uh, small, very played a very small part of that. Uh, yeah. But anyway, thank you, Emma. It's been great talking with you. Yeah, it's been great talking with you. And uh, thank you to everyone who was watching today. Bye. <laughs> Cheers for listening. For more messaging fun, sign up for my newsletter at punchy.co forward slash newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter.